The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. Today we have a very special episode. We are inviting one of our former clients on to discuss the story of her dog, Sandy. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. You got the squeaker. You can take them over. All right. Our client's name is Emily Ostro, and she's a licensed therapist. And she has this really awesome um, teen mental health podcast called Not Now, Maybe Later, a very apropos for teenagers. So check it out. You can find it on Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. We've listened to a few episodes. Emily's very soothing and gives a lot of great advice. So check it out. It's away from dogs, but it's crazy how it all interrelates. So, And so. my emotional maturity is at about 14 years <laughs> yeah, old. It's so perfect. Yeah, I'm you're, right there. You're catering right to Scott. I learn a lot from it. All right. So, Em, thanks so much for coming on today. We have had a long journey with you. I feel like it's been, what, a year and a half, two years or so? Yeah. She's only three and you've been yeah. around for most of it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's just talk this through a little bit from your perspective. So before you had met Scott, you guys had kind of gone through the gamut of trying to help your dog. I mean, she's a just to preface it, she's like a beagly kind of looking mix from the South. She's got a lot of strength. Um, I'd say that she has tendencies towards anxiety. Her name mm-hmm. is Sandy. She's very cute. Anything I'm missing from that description? No, I would just say we um, got her as part of a rescue litter and her sister came up too. So we have two of the litter in our family. It's just Sandy lives with us. Yeah. And Sandy had more struggles. It just seemed there were just more triggers or whatever else there was. She's, she's a lot of Sandy. Okay. So tell us from your perspective, kind of what happened before you reached out to Scott and Scott came over to do a class, um, way back when. I feel like a lot happened. I have to sort of admit, I had never had a dog before. My husband and I had a great dog that he brought into our lives. So I thought dogs just came trained and well behaved. So lesson learned, Um, not all dogs are, are, you know, ready made for people who don't have training themselves. Um, So we got her and knew that we needed um, things like doggy daycare because we both work. And so we were looking for that kind of immediate sort of stuff. But pretty, I think soon after her, one of her first vet appointments, they're like, oh, you better get a trainer for this one. Um, it seems she seems to be really off. Or I think anxious started to be the word that everybody was using. Yeah. So I did set up some training. Um, the first trainer gave me the feedback. Basically, she's not even workable. You should try medication. And she was three months old when I got that input. Mm-hmm. Um So that person recommended a specific behavioral vet and I got set up with that person and um, first visit there, they kind of concurred with that trainer and said, yeah, this dog has severe anxiety. We'd like to try medication. And I said, do we have to? And they said, well, not much else is really going to get her to a foundation for training. Um, So they put her on the generic of Prozac. Um, Concurrently, Sandy has always had digestive issues, which I think also goes with the anxiety. So we've been through the ringer as far as that goes. Medication does not make that better yeah. <laughs> uh, for humans or dogs, yeah. um, at least in the beginning. So we got her on the Prozac. We tried to have the trainer back. Um, that relationship didn't really ever get going. They kind of disappeared pretty quick. Um, and then we were like, we don't like giving our dogs meds. So we, and we told the vet that and they, 
advised we continue. I didn't. Um, and we found another trainer who was kind of the other end of the spectrum and they use natural herbs and raw diets and all of the other stuff. And we did a few sessions and she showed some ability to be trainable, um, but that was very expensive and um, wasn't going to be sustainable for us. So I kind of gave up on that training and that's about when I found you all. <laughs> yeah. And Scott came over that first day and she was a lot. She was very protective. Yeah, she was fearful of me and, uh, her behavior changed when I entered the house as opposed to when just your family unit was there. I think she was happy for the most part with you guys. But yes. when a stranger came, someone else came in, she would get growly and, you know, be between your legs or behind your legs and, and just not comfortable at all. That was obvious. Yeah. You know. So that first meeting with Scott, um, from your perspective, and um, Emily has a husband named Sam who owns Festina Lente. If you're local, go to Kittery and have it. It's a great restaurant. So from where you and Sam stood, kind of what did that look like for you that first hour and where were your heads at after that based on everything you'd gone through so far? Well, we had found out about you guys because you offered the boot camp and we were at this place of thinking this dog isn't right for us. Our family can't handle this. So we were at a point of wanting to give her up. And our in-laws who had had behavioral dogs before, um, I think had worked with one of you for one mm -hmm. of those dogs mm -hmm. um, who was her own lost cause in her own way, but, you know, got as good as she could get before she died. So we were looking for that level of care from you all. And I think when you came, you affirmed like, yeah, it would do her a lot of good yeah. to get, you know, with us for a little while. So I was really glad to do that because it was kind of a last resort or we were going to try to rehome her. Yeah. And we had her, I think we did two weeks with her, right? Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, she wasn't easy. There was a lot of fear. Um, she definitely took a little bit to settle in and uh, she definitely had, you know, uh, she was very strong getting her nails done. There was a lot of vet fallout from before. And since we've had her, Emily and I have been able to take her to the vet muzzled and she's been able to get exams and everything's been okay. She hasn't had a big issue. She's acted pretty much like a normal dog. But what was the change kind of for you? One, I want to talk about from Prozac not to Prozac because she came off Prozac before we even saw her. And I think you guys noticed some changes. And then what kind mm -hmm. of changes did you see from before when we had her and then after just from your perspective? Yeah. Our experience of her on Prozac was she wasn't really less anxious. I think her her reactivity was just dulled. So mm -hmm. she didn't seem calmer. She just seemed less reactive because, you know, she had been slowed down. But that actually, in my understanding of her, and I think I understand her better than anybody, I think she wants to be on full alert all the time, right? Because that's how she handles what she thinks her job is, which she has no job. She should just be a family dog. <laughs> yeah. So when we took her off the Prozac, we saw that sort of alertness and hypervigilance return. So then she was a little bit more dominant. Not she's never bitten people. She's never been a, you know aggressive, but she just seemed, you know, how she stands like that kind of bulldog yeah. Yeah, bull yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Like she was just more ready um, off of Prozac, but no more controlled. Yeah. And I think you even said like she was a little more playful, like you guys had noticed mm -hmm. just some changes just with her demeanor yeah. again, too. Like she was just kind of interacting like the dog yeah. that you originally had. And then what was it like? Um, we had her for boot camp. We did some follow up classes. What kind of changes did you see with her and through the follow up training and everything else? Like how is how things changed for you guys? I think what I learned and what she learned is like, she's a working dog <laughs> or like she has about 16 working dogs in her. So like her best is when she's under control, like yeah. when she's being told. And we had to learn that first about having people over because that was the most common 
challenge we wanted to overcome was being able to have, you know, other kids in our home and other families in our home. So you trained me and then I tried to train everybody else who took care of her (laughs) mixed bag there. Um, that she needs to be kind of engaged and being told what to do and where to be pretty much all the time. She can, we've learned she can settle down when she's familiar with the people that have come over repeatedly, but she needed to know what her spaces were, what her commands were, um, and that she wasn't in charge of our home, which I think, you know, she tried to be before yeah. the training. There's yeah. A lot of responsibility for her. Yeah. And she's too small for that. Yeah. Like she's so short. Yeah. yeah. No, and it is a lot of structure. And for her, yeah, for her knowing like, okay, this is my job. You have been able to successfully now have people over and she's integrated and it's even happening a little more quickly from what I've heard from you that, you know, if you have a big party or something, she can kind of mingle quicker than she used to, but you're still putting the protocols in place. You're not just like, okay, it's a free for all and we'll see what happens. Right. Right. We know we need to use things like the spaces she needs to be in when we're eating dinner or leaving the home. Um, And I think I I just I'm her number one. I'm the one who's fully trained enough to know what to do. And so it's my responsibility to be aware of her when we have someone come to the door and not just be like, oh, she barks a lot. Don't mind her. You know, like, no, I don't want to have that home. I don't want to have that dog. Yeah. And and it's stressful for you guys. You guys have two little girls. Like, it's stressful for everybody. Like, we don't need that sort of energy and everything. So how do you see, um, I mean, you're working with people every day in the field of psychology. Do you see any, like, parallels from the dog stuff and the human stuff, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to teens? Like, can you touch on that just a bit? Yeah, I mean, anxiety is a very common very sort of understandable reaction to when someone doesn't feel safe or comfortable in their environment. It also is very neurological. Mm -hmm. Like what I know about anxiety and what I teach teens and their families about anxiety and that I understand for Sandy is the first thing that happens is your body notices that you're feeling something. And so that's why Sandy's hackles are up like all the time, you know, like she hears something, that's the reaction she has. And it's the same with teenagers, except for that we don't, they don't have hackles, they have attitudes. So like you're likely to see a teenager who's anxious, maybe be reactive in a way that's disrespectful or shuts down. But honestly, it's about how people take care of themselves and recognize how they think that changes things in humans. And I think that's what we did for Sandy is we needed her to understand she is not in charge. She is not our protector. You know, like she's just one of the family. And I think she has made that change. Sometimes she forgets. It depends on like who she's with in the family. But yeah, yeah it's gonna... the same in a lot of ways. And ultimately, I will just say the issue of medication is a very tricky topic, especially for anxiety and especially in humans, because those are um, pretty, you know, they change personalities and moods quite yeah. a lot um, for people at, at that age. Um, so it was weird and not right to see Sandy have that personality change when she was on the Prozac, especially when it didn't improve her her functioning in any yeah. way. Yeah, right. um, no, I agree. And I mean, for anyone out there who, you know, human medication, dog medication, if it works great, that's fine. But for some yeah. people, it's not the right journey. And I think you said it great. It, it is a big step. It is a big move. It is a big, you know, you're, you're changing stuff going on in your brain. There's <laughs> stuff that well, happens there. The nice thing about, you know, with humans and these medications is that you're whether you're an adult or a teenager, and I can say firsthand that when I was a teenager, I got put on medications for behavioral problems uh, early on, and within a month, I was off of them because I didn't like the way I felt on them. Mm -hmm. And I could tell people, I don't like the way I feel. I'm not comfortable. It didn't improve the quality of my life. 
it just mm-hmm. compounded. Now I have this other weird feeling <laughs> going on, you know, in addition to, you know, the issues I had yeah. to begin with, you know, so <laughs> Which I, were I, vast. <laughs> yeah, I'm still dealing with. But uh, one thing I remember about uh, Sandy was when she came home, uh, things seemed to be going much better, but the, you're in a duplex and is it your mom or Sam's mom that's there? In the house. It's her I, mom. Your mom. mom. Yeah. So that was a little bit tough because you were using, your mom was um, happy enough to come and let Sandy out when you guys weren't home. But then they were having, mm-hmm. that That was something. Their own she dynamic. Wasn't, yeah, there was yeah. another dynamic there that was a little different also, which was making it kind of tough. But she's a tricky dog and no doubt, yeah. you know, she's trying to keep her even keeled on a regular basis is, it's a lot of work. And unfortunately, just letting her have complete freedom. Some dogs, they settle in. A lot of rescues will come. They'll come with a lot of anxiety. The anxiety is because they're in a new home. And it may take them four to six months where they finally just kind of decompress and say, okay, this is my house. You know, but in her case, there was no decompression. This is just part of her genetic makeup. I think there's a genetic component there to a Mm -hmm. certain extent that we're trying to work with. And uh, it's admirable that you guys have stuck, stuck it out and tried several different avenues to get her to be a family member that is stable and, and comfortable in her own skin. And it's an ongoing project. It's still not completely resolved if, if I'm understanding. Yeah. And I want to give M kudos. I mean, you know, you, when you say that she's a working dog, that's a great way to phrase it. And you take her bike riding. Like you guys give her a lot of stimulation. You live on a lot of land. She has a good recall. You know, you're, you're, you're providing her with a lot of outlets to keep her at bay in addition to the structure and the training. And luckily she's great with the girls and that has always been the case, correct? Yeah. She's always been good with your girls. And this is yes. frequently what we see, you know, yeah. she's a great family dog, but we can't take her to the vet or we can't take her anywhere. Or we can't have anyone to our home. Like <laughs> we, we can't just live the four of us. It's not COVID always. Like we have to yeah. be able to have people over and have her be seen by <laughs> medical professionals and, you know, little stuff like this. And I do think it's important for people who are in a position like you guys were in, where you were kind of between a rock and a hard place just to hear that there is hope. And, you know, maybe it does take another call. We don't want everybody calling us and sending us dogs from all over the country. That's not the point of this. But just for people to hear a journey of like, this didn't work. We switched it up. And you stepped up for your dog. Like you said, like, no, this is the avenue we want to go. And this is what we want to try. And you, you made the choices. You were the advocate for her. So there is definitely a very strong component of her success being you and her follow-up and what you guys are doing as a family and everything else, but you're providing her with a lot of stimulation and what she does need. Like she loves running next to you on the bike and you know, she's a fit little dog. She likes go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Maybe she needs a treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> need a treadmill in the house. Yeah, throw the, her on the, the treadmill winter. for 25 minutes. Take the edge off. We just have a stationary bike. She hasn't really shown us that she can ride that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a stretch. So what kind of things have helped you um, at home, like I know you're talking about, you have, you know, certain protocols when people come over when you're answering the door or you're expecting house guests for the weekend or if something else, but what are some other little like techniques that you guys have used? You know, if you know, the energy is a little heightened with the girls coming home from school, so to say, um, just to keep her more even keel and not from escalating and, you know, bottoming out. I have found maybe this isn't the, the right answer, but There's it no does right work. Answer. If I can anticipate that someone's coming to the house or like, that my coming home is also like an area that we have to keep working on because she was starting to bark again when people were pulling in the driveway. So two things that we do to try to manage that particular part of it is if I know someone's coming, I just put her on the leash 
Yeah. And I'm like, you're going to be under my control. Like I've tried putting her in the crate and she's okay, but they don't want to keep her in there the whole time because I know she can do it. Yeah. She just needs that like step down from crate yep. to leash. Okay. You seem calm now. You can come off leash. Like we just had 14 people over the other day and she didn't know seven of them. And that process took 15 minutes, you know, to get her adjusted with that kind of support. And then now I'm just really trying to train my mom um, on like, put her in the crate before we get home. That's where she needs to be. If you leave her out, she thinks she has to bark to let my mom know that people are coming home and we come home, we let you know it's predictable. It's not like we're surprising you with our dinner time arrival. So I want to create those routines. It has been an adjustment going back to the school year and having schedules change and us being, you know, away a lot. So we're working on that stuff now. Um, I'm really trying to spend more time with her. <laughs> I hadn't when in the summer, I had no time for that because the kids are around so much more and we were so busy. So I'm trying to like take her out on the trails and see her be happy because yeah. it's like day to day, you know, she's happy when we're snuggling, but like you can see a dog where they're, you know, where they're happy in yeah. nature or, yeah, sure. or working or whatever. Yeah. Well, so that's been really nice. You have a great location, your home there, giant big backyard. And I remember you sending a video of one of the kids or one of your kids' friends walking her around, or maybe it was a cousin walking her around on leash in the backyard. And yeah. uh, she certainly has room yep. to, to get out and stretch and, and play and run around a bit. But then it's also yeah. the double-edged coin of there's more space for her to be protect. <laughs> it's like, okay, I got the house. <laughs> An now animal. I, I got to yeah, take yeah, care like, of this two-acre lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. ready to we hunt. Got deer, we got turkeys and yeah. squirrels, and she. You Does know, she get reactive to the wildlife too? She's yeah, yeah. She, yeah, yeah. She likes to go. Well, and the thing yeah, about, but in the right way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the in the alerting way. <laughs> danger, danger. Yeah, she's not barking at them. She's not trying to bust out the door. She's just like, guys, there's a turkey out yeah. there. <laughs> just guys, so, just so you know. Yeah, and Thanksgiving's yeah. coming. Well, and I like the trail thing because it's not only good for her, but it's mindful for you too, right? Like it's something where you guys can kind of mm-hmm. both have some time to decompress. And it sounds like what's worked best for you is just preparation and forethought, which you bring a lot more of that to the table than the average person, part of your profession, part of your personality, whatever that is. Um, and then just limiting her movement too. Like she doesn't have the whole house. If there's 14 people to do whatever she wants, whenever she wants, like you're kind of controlling how and when she integrates. And I do think that that ultimately gives her more confidence to, you know, feel better about integrating. Even, I mean, Scott and I border when you guys go away for vacation and even when you guys are going away and I come over, I'm like, just start her in the crate. Like, you know, we'll get her out. We'll keep her quiet because the less that we have, you know, oh, she's barking at the window and now she's rushing to the door and, oh, it's Jess. She's not going to be nasty to Jess, but we don't need to rehearse this like, oh my God, you know, freak out state that she can get herself in very quickly because it's not great for her long-term and it's not great for her stress hormones and everything else. It's just like humans, you know? Yeah. I think it's nice that um, Mm -hmm. within 15 minutes or so, having a bunch of new people in the house that she can kind of bring it down by having her on a leash. And the only thing, I, I, rather than go right to off leash, I would just let her drag the leash around if, if you're not doing so mm-hmm. already as another transitional step. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just, she's good. Mm-hmm. I'm, instead of taking the leash off, I'm just going to drop the leash and let her just drag it around a little bit. Because I have found a lot of dogs, just having that leash on them, it just inhibits them just to maybe 15, 20%. It just brings them down a little bit having a leash on, you know, because they associate it with, the control and the obedience, so they're just better behaved. And in the old school type of training, I can remember where they would just start cutting that leash shorter and shorter. Rather than going off leash, they'd wind up with just a tab. They have just maybe six inches of leash hanging off their neck, and the dog is 
getting to a point where they're behaving the same off-leash as on-leash because there's a little something you can grab if you need to redirect them or move them around, pick up that leash, you know? Yeah, and for you, I mean, the leash is a point of stability. And you mentioned the crate. You guys are still using the crate. So how do you guys incorporate that? Um, and what do you think the crate does for her mentally? I mean, I just, just as an aside here. Well, what you taught me, and hopefully I got it right, is her bed is more active, but being told not to work. So that's not like where she takes naps and like, yeah. can go take it easy. The crate she does know is her choice to go lay down when I'm saying like, all done, go lay down. She yeah. goes to the crate. So we used to have to crater at nighttime and dinner time because she couldn't stay still, but we don't need to anymore. She's sleeping in the girl's room all night. That's a win for the kids because they sleep better when she's in there. It hasn't, yeah. hasn't been a problem yet, knock on wood. Um, and then during dinner time, she'll just go in there, but we don't have to lock it and she doesn't come out. So that works really well. And then, of course, we are gone during the day, all of us at some point. So the crate is where she should be when we're going to be out of the house and no one's home. Yeah, just so she doesn't have that territorial barking. And yeah, that is totally the situation with the bed. And we do like you to use that in you know, a sense where you can practically have her on the bed when people come over or if you're eating dinner, if you need to place her. And you can have 100 pillow beds around that she can just chill on too. But she chooses her crate. Like she wants to go and decompress and have that as her space. And it is kind of like her safe space, just like if the girls want to go to their room and have a little downtime, especially your older daughter now, you know, I I just need my own time. Like it's nice for dogs to have a place of their own to go. And, you know, people always think of like, oh, it's jail and it's so harmful for the dog. And she's so shut off from the family. But a lot of times I think it does provide the dogs with a certain level of security. So I just wanted to touch on that. Yeah. And you don't, you don't have to worry about anyone kidnapping the kids at night. (laughs) They're sleeping in the bedroom with that. Exactly. Yeah. She can bark when someone comes in the bedroom at night. She's like, she's like a protection hound. You can't mess around with Sandy. So I just want to touch on this vet thing a little bit. I think we've gone twice. You um, have since gone to a new vet. Uh, We muzzle her when we go in, but for the most part, like I I feel like she acts like a pretty normal dog. Do you have anything to say as far as how that's gone for you? I think what you're doing to help me with that is like, she does need to be reminded that this is a submissive situation that, you know, like things are going to be happening and you might as well. So she does kind of give that more like, okay, whatever you need to do. And that shows that she's not thinking she needs to be upset about it. She's giving up in a way I can tell. She's just like, okay, just resign. I guess yeah. I'll just sit all that. And, and she'll still growl if they look at her ears sometimes. Um, so so I'm not that. worried about vet appointments with her. I, I wouldn't say I'd go without you or without a muzzle at this point because I don't know, that's just what works at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, but in her just kind of knowing like to take direction, like this is how it's going to go. And even with that said, I think um, one of the early times when we went, like she still kind of let out a low growl, even on a muzzle, like, I don't want you to touch me, that type of situation. She's got strength there. She brings strength to the table and she asserts herself very quickly and very easily. But, you know, she doesn't need to be muzzled to go in. She can get on the scale. As soon as we take the muzzle off, she's jumping around, wagging her tail. I mean, she seems pretty happy-go-lucky for the most part, which is what we need. We need her to be able to get medical care. It's important for the dogs to be able to be seen and if they get sick or anything else. So no. And I think you're doing a great job with that as well. Is there anything we missed as far as her or the journey? Um, you got a long ways to go. We got like 10 or 12 years left with this dog. So we, we've got to keep her on track. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess I would just say the other learning that I did is you've got to learn what kind of dog you have, even if you have a breed that should have certain behaviors or temperaments. Like Sandy is such a cocktail. Like I don't think we could just say, oh, well, she's just like this kind of dog. So it took a while to understand what her 
sort of true nature was. And, and that has some limitations that I just need to live with. Like she can't be in doggy daycare. We've tried that several times. There's too much turnover of staff. So like she needs to be around people that are familiar if, if we're not around her also. So that was like, you know, something I had to accept. Finding a dog walker has been really hard because, you know, I need people like you to walk her, not yeah. just like yeah. some college student who's trying to make some extra money. They don't have the skills. So I, I know who she is. I know what she needs. And I have to kind of do my best to make sure she's getting that no matter what context we're in. And that's, that's my dog. Yeah. That's my yeah. Sandy. Yeah, no, that's it. And just kind of accepting the journey. And I love that. And yeah, just because you get XYZ breed doesn't mean that dog is going to have those characteristics. Like every dog is unique individually based on their environment, their genetics, everything going on in their history. And you guys have just kind of embraced who she is and worked with what you can and managed what you couldn't. And I think you're doing a great job, really. I mean, it's it's phenomenal that you can have people over. You can have these big parties now. She seems very stable to me. Um, you know, she's she's a nice dog. She really is. But she is she wasn't even easy for us. I mean, she was a standout, I would say. She's a project. Yeah. <laughs> she's a project dog. And, yeah. and it's, you know, you need to stay on top of her. And it's not just simple obedience training. She's got these emotional issues and the anxiety that she struggles with. And, um, I, yeah, you guys have gone above and beyond because, you know, just getting people to follow through with just basic obedience is a challenge for me because if the dog is happy all the time, but disobedient, people kind of overlook the disobedience. Oh yeah. She jumps on people once in a while, you know, but when you have these you know, the emotional instability where the dog potentially could be dangerous in certain situations, you need to really address it. And we want her to be comfortable in her own skin. That's the main, the main thing we all want, you know? Yeah. And uh, trying to find the perfect balance where she's manageable, happy in her own skin, and uh, safe in, in as many situations as possible. That's, that's the goal, you know, just yeah. to be able to keep her out and social and uh, just getting out in the world and realizing that life is okay. You don't need to stress. You know? Mom's got you covered. No, yeah. you're doing a great job, Em. We appreciate you coming on. Thank <laughs> you so much. Life. Yeah, <laughs> It is. It's true. Mom's got you covered. You, Emily's got everybody covered. She's a great family member. You guys, I want you to check out Emily's podcast. Not now, maybe later. Um, it's got some great stuff, tidbits for dogs, people, everything else. It's amazing. You should watch um, that so you can learn how to yeah, deal with so me Yeah, so I can better. learn how to deal with you. Exactly. Thank you so, so much for sharing your story of Sandy. We love Sandy dearly, and we appreciate everything you guys have done. As clients, everyone needs to follow through that the Astros have. That's the bottom line. Uh, in the meantime, you guys, we'll see you next Wednesday. Have a great day and keep it quirky. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, guys. The views and opinions too, expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.